I serve him. I thank you, Father, for your spirit tonight. I thank you, Father, this is about you. But in the secondary consequence of worshipping you, we get blessed. If I magnify you who's already magnified, I get the blessing. You call us sons and not slaves. You call us a family and not outcasts because of your love. We thank you, Father, for the work that you are, are doing in us because you will complete what you start. Lift up the name of Jesus tonight. Because one day, listen to me, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Whether in heaven or whether in hell, they're going to confess him as Lord. Better off doing it here in front of him to take us home than do it down there. The devil's a liar and he has no truth in him. And today we expose him because his church is his most prized possession. So I thank you tonight. Have your way, Lord. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Who loves the Spirit of God? Who loves God moving in your own hearts? Welcome, everyone. Tonight, we're going to talk about the mystery of the church. And it's an amazing last week. If you weren't here, why not? But no, joking. We talked about the sheep in the sheepfold. We talked about what they meant. And just did a quick recap. As I, as I was studying out, you know, we all know that Jesus is our shepherd and we're his sheep. But sheep are dumb. <laughs> sheep are dumb. So I must be the leading sheep. Because sheep, the Bible says, hear the shepherd's voice. And we talked about that last week. But there's three things I want you to, to learn that the only way through to the shepherd, the shepherd says that he he speaks and the sheep hear his voice and they don't speak, they don't hear and obey a stranger's voice. But in order for the sheep to understand the shepherd's voice, you have to have spent time with the shepherd. And we spoke about being the gate, that only way to the father is through the son, being that Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the gate. He's also the shepherd. Speaking of the cross, when Jesus went to the cross and died, he became our doorway or the shepherd to, to the sheep pen. And when he was resurrected, he becomes our shepherd. And we spoke about the Holy Spirit being the gatekeeper, the doorkeeper. The father owns the land. And we spoke about that last week. If you didn't hear it, you can, you can watch it on YouTube or on Facebook. So it speaks of our congregation. He says, but when we come into the sheepfold, we are part of his church. This is the body of Christ. This is the, 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 this is the structure of God that he put on this earth. Someone asked me a question. Can God, why doesn't God just intervene right now and change everything? He said he can't. What? He, he can in his power and his might, but he's sovereign and what he ordains has to come to pass. He will never go against his word. So when he gives you free will, people have an argument about free will and predestination. But let me tell you, he's giving you free will. By him giving you free will, I mean, if I was God, I wouldn't give you free will. I wouldn't give myself free will. 
Who here has kids that wish they would take their will off them so they could just sleep 24 hours and wake up one day and get a job and get married and get out? That's the best way, I reckon. And all the young mothers and fathers said amen. But think about it. Let's be honest. We want to be honest. My wife's looking at me now. I'm already in trouble. I've started three seconds. I'm already in trouble. But think about it. We want to control things and God is the God hasn't lost control. If God wanted to intervene, he would have stopped Adam eating from the tree. But I'm going to give you your will. And if you don't want to believe me and walk by faith, that's your problem, not mine. But he's a gracious God. So he says, you know what? I've given you delegated authority, Adam. I'm giving you dominion and power to rule over everything. It's your dominion. You lost it. They blame God, but you lost it. He was saying to me, well, why should I pay for Adam's mistake? I go, okay. Don't pay for Adam's mistake. Have you sinned? Yeah. Well, then you go pay for your own mistake. Don't worry about Adam. You know, in other words, that Jesus came to take dominion and power back off the devil. Everything that God gave us that was rightfully ours as sons and daughters, we lost. So by default, we gave it over to the enemy and he ruled and reigned. But God never lost control. And Jesus comes and gives us. He, God never does anything on this earth he can, but he doesn't unless he delegates it. He always delegates authority. We know that Abraham was called by God, and he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We know that Moses got the Ten Commandments. We go these all these stories, but why did he just do it? Why does he have to go through people? Because God is the God of people. God is God. He made people in his image and likeness. God is the God of order, and God is the God of his word, and nothing can change. We may change, but God's never going to change. So as it comes to the church, as it respects of the church, over the next couple of weeks, don't miss out. We're going to go from sheep to a bride. People have a hiccup on that because I'm a man and I, I'm no bride. If I'm a bride, I'm the ugliest bride you've ever seen. And that we know that he's talking in parables. We know he's talking in metaphors. He knows that. But sometimes we get hooked up. Well, we're the bride across. How? We're the sons of God. How? There's women involved. So we're going to talk about that, what it means, spiritually speaking. Amen? It's time to get our intellectual stupid hats off and start listening to the Holy Spirit to be taught the right way. Amen? So that's what the next coming week. So we're going to go from dumb sheep to a bride to sons. What does that all mean? But let's look at the fabric of the church. If I was to say to you, church, what's the thing, first thing pops in your head? Don't answer it, but... Church, a building, a denomination. Um, if you know a little bit more, you say, well, it's the ones that are called out by Jesus. Christians, are, you're a church. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord is the church. And all those things are true. But do you think that Jesus went to the cross and died to start a new religion? Or to start a new denomination? Or to start a new... Uh, no, no, no. Jesus didn't go to the cross and die and suffer to have another organization or another institution. He came to start a family. He came to restore what he already started and to give us power back and start a family. But just like anything on this earth, how about having a family and getting married but have no planning, have no structure? God set up structure. He set up leaders. He set up authority in the body of Christ. If you read the scripture, I'm going to touch on it today. The church is the body, just like a human body. Paul talks about that. But then he's building something. He's building his church. And we're going to talk about that. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. This might hit a few nerves. Some people might not agree with some stuff. 
Doesn't matter. I've got the microphone and I'm right. I'm always right. So my wife doesn't see me. No, I'm not always right. But the Word of God. So let's go through this. I don't know where you've come from. Some people are brand new, never had, never been in a church before or never grew up in a faith church or a lot of us here I can see came out of traditional churches and that. So tonight, it's not about anyone's church. I'm not putting anyone down. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. Amen? And let's see what Jesus says. Let's see what Paul has written. Let's see what the body of Christ is meant to be about. Because if we're out of order, then we'll never come into order. If I don't know what I'm meant to be and meant to do, how am I supposed to operate? I have a painting team, and it's like saying to my painters, they show up to work, do that. I do what? You're a painter, do it. But I haven't told them how to do it. I haven't told them what we're meant to do. I haven't trained them. And there's nothing but disorder. So there's got to be order. The problem is we've ordered so much our lives that we've ordered the Holy Spirit out. That he's knocking on the door and he, he can't even get in. That's talking about our house at home and talking about our church. And then you've got people who don't want any order, but they want the Holy Spirit to move. And all they have is disorder. They think it's the Holy Spirit, but it's not. So we need to have a balanced look at the Word of God. The Word of God and the Spirit of God brings life. Amen? We're going to touch on that and see where the Lord leads us. Today, what I want to really share about this more, and I'm not going to get into it. I wanted to get into it deeper, but that's for another day. But it's to talk about what your role is in the body of Christ. Where do you belong? I often say, if you don't belong, you go find out where you belong. You're more than welcome to come and sit and learn. Praise God. We love you. But just like your own house, if you've got too many visitors every day, you get a bit annoyed. You start to shut the door, close the blinds. We're not home. Don't answer the phone. He's come over every day. He's eating all my biscuits. All right, I'll preach. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. This is Paul speaking. For we are all God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no, one, no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation you can lay other than Jesus Christ. You might think, well, that's obvious. Is it? Is it that obvious? Paul, he goes on to warn us that if an angel from heaven, he didn't say an angel from hell, an angel from heaven comes down and preaches something contrary and different to what we have told you, let him be accursed. In other words, let him be damned to hell. An angel from heaven. Why? He says, because the foundations of the gospel was laid by the apostles and the prophets. You read in the Acts, they preached the apostles' doctrine and broke bread daily, and God added to the church daily. So there's something about the apostle and the prophet. And you read through this. Paul was pretty, if you read it through, I've laid the foundation. He's talking to the Corinthian church. And make sure, because you've got to remember, the Corinthian church had all the gifts in the spirit in operation. They were pricking in tongues. They were interpreting tongues. They were laying hands on the sick. They were prophesying. They were doing everything. But guess what they had? They had no order. And he's saying, hang on, don't let the gifts or your divisions against one another or who you think you're someone special get in the way of Jesus being the fundamental foundation. See, Christ is the foundation. Don't let anyone. Be careful how you build. If you read that 
that scripture further. It says, because everything will be tested with fire. Do you build with gold and silver or do you build with hay and straw? You can build your life on so many good things, but at, when Jesus comes and brings his fire down, it's not talking about judgment. He says, everything will be tested with fire. You know how fire can be tested sometimes? Not just when I die and go to heaven. He'll go, Tony, you did a hundred things here and only one of them was from me. The rest get burnt up. You know other fires you can pick up? Spent all my life doing this. Why are my kids off the rails? Spent all my life doing that. Why am I, how come I got no more faith? Why am I always sick? Why am I always cursed? These things that we can do and say it's a good thing and give God the credit, but it's not God and you're going all, you're spiraling all the way to hell. I didn't get overweight in five minutes. I had a body like a Greek God. Now I just look like a Greek, you know? <laughs> That's I'm joking. Sorry, Tammy, if you're listening. <laughs> I was going to say Phoenician God, but anyway. So I've got the best cook in the world and it's a, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. But I didn't put on weight overnight. I, go, I wonder how I got so big. Well, I can tell you. <laughs> Nothing happens in five minutes. The devil's cunning and crafty. He gets into your lounge room, sits on your armchair and drip, drip method. And before you know it, 10 years from now, how did I let this happen? And more importantly, how did it happen in the church? Paul is very big on this. We said about the mystery of the church. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5.31. Now I know this, we say this at weddings. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and two shall become one flesh. Next verse. And this is the great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. The closest analogy that God could give us humans to understand him. Because if anyone can stand here and explain God, then he's not worthy to be explained because no one can explain God. But what we can explain is his character and his nature and what he's revealed to us. He is saying there's a mystery between Christ and the church. If you still think the church is a building, Jesus is not coming back to marry a seven-foot story building with three basement car park and air conditioning. He's not coming to marry a, a little cottage on the hill with a, with a steeple. He's coming to marry us, the church, the bride. If you read it in context, he's saying that I'm going to die for my bride, the church. He died for his bride. He said, I'm coming back to get her. He, he, put, he, he basically put a deposit in us, the Holy Spirit, which is a ring, just like I'm getting engaged. And he's coming back to get his bride and take her home. He says, in my father's house, there are many... Rooms, many mansions, people of prosperity preachers have taught you, you're going to get a mansion in heaven and you're going to do everything's a mansion in heaven, please. What's the point of I having a mansion and my wife having a mansion and my son, no one's living together? But he says, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places, many rooms in my father's house. I went to Lebanon when I was 24 years old and I stayed at my grandfather, my, mom, my mom's family in the mountains of Hachit, if, if you know where that is. It's up the road from Blauza, down the road from Bend, across the road from Shari. In other words, Punchbowl, Granville, Kilford, and Lakemba and Auburn. But I went there, and I went there, and I said, Mom, where are we staying? And because and I, I was with my mom, and I went, and my dad's from another part of the world, but we went there, and we stayed there at first. And I said to my mom, where are we staying? Because they're your grandfather's house. But my grandfather had passed away. So what happened was, my uncle lived there, and it was the, they used to call it, your grandfather's house or your, her father's house. And I realized that where my uncle lived, and thank God he lived up on the high part of the mountain, 
with a modern house because everything else was a cave in the dungeon. I thought, it would have lasted two minutes in Lebanon, man. But he had toilets, which was a miracle, you know. I didn't know for six weeks, they don't flush toilets. And I'm flushing them and putting water. Oh, I didn't realize you're not supposed to put the toilet paper in the toilet. But anyway, I think it's still clogged up to this day. But to, to tell you what happened was, so when I got there, my, 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 my uncles had his house and my grandmother was still alive. They lived in the second story of the house. It was a house on top of a house. So that was my grandfather's house downstairs. Then when he got married, my uncle, he built a house on top of his father's house. If you come from Middle East or countries like that where you haven't got a lot of land, you built on top of your father's house. Your father would extend and, and things like that. So when Jesus said, being a Jew, because this is common to the Middle East and to the Jewish people, the glory of the father was how many sons he had. And when the father got, uh, had a son, he got married, he would always either build on top of his father's house or put an extension on the house. And then he might have had five sons. They all lived with him back in those days. And he had glory because he had five levels. Or, or, and it was like the glory of the father was in his sons and his, uh, and his daughters who got married and had children. Are you getting the picture? So my grandfather had a house and then there was like columns coming out. And I said, what's going on here? He says, oh, when your cousin gets married, he'll build on top of that. And I sort of read the scripture in when Jesus says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. You know what Jesus was doing? Listen to me. He came and got a bride and he's bringing her back to the father's house one day and he's building rooms on top of rooms on top. Of, every time someone gets born again and gives his Christ, guess what? He gets another room in the father's house and it's like a mansion. Why? Because the father has glory when he sees his sons and daughters living with him. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And when I come back, I'll take you there. In other words, it's the picture of the bridegroom coming to get the bride and taking her to show the father. And we're going to live with the father for eternity. You get the picture. So the church was the bride. Husband and wife become one. What's the Bible says? You'll leave your mother and father become one. What's that mean? It speaks of intimacy. The minute you get married and you, and you consummate the marriage, you're one in God's eyes. You're one person in the eyes of God. The church and Christ are one. It's interesting. When Paul was persecuting the church, who knows what Paul's name was Saul, and he was persecuting the church. People say, you know what? I attend church. Okay. I go to church. All right. I'm part of a church. All right. But the Bible doesn't say do any of that. Read me where in the Bible you're meant to go to church. Read me somewhere where it says you have to attend the church. Read somewhere where it says you have to watch church. In Arabic, they say, I watch church. The Bible says you be the church. You are the church. The Bible says don't witness, be a witness. So when he says the church, he's talking about believers. And Paul, whose name was Saul, was killing. The first murder recorded in the Bible for the faith in Jesus Christ was Stephen. Stephen got stoned to death. And guess who the Bible says took their robes off and, got, and put their clothes at the feet of a man named Saul. And he ordered the murder. They stoned him to death and he died. But he prays. Father, don't let this sin, don't hold this sin against them. Paul now is on a rampage. He thinks he's doing God a, a favor. He's on his way to, he's not happy with just arresting people in Jerusalem. He's going now to Syria, to Damascus, to arrest more Christians. And if they don't like it, he's going to kill them. And on his way there, he has an encounter with Jesus and he gets knocked off his horse. And the Bible says that he got blinded off his horse and fell. The guys that were with him heard, heard something, but he, he saw this white light hit him. He says, Saul, 
why do you persecute me? And he had the brains enough to say, who are you, Lord? He says, I'm the one you're persecuting. But hang on a second. Jesus is in heaven by now. Who, how did he persecute Jesus? Can someone tell me? He was killing what? The body, the believers. He was killing believers, arresting believers. He was persecuting the church. See, Jesus doesn't differentiate from himself and the church. We do, but he doesn't. So he says, why are you persecuting me, Saul? Because who are you, Lord? I'm the one you're persecuting. So you can't separate the church from Jesus, but if he's not the cornerstone of your church, then you're not his. Jesus established this church with order. Now, this is not a come to my church sermon. This is to know that who you are in the body of Christ. So I want to read something for you. Ephesians 3.1 For this reason, Paul, I, Paul, now Paul now, sorry, to, Paul's name was Saul. Now we recognize him as Paul. He was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. He knew the Old Testament off by heart. By the age of five, he knew the first five books. By the age of 12, he knew the whole Old Testament. By the age of 30, he could do everything. He was a Pharisee of all Pharisees from the tribe of Benjamin. He knew his lineage. He knew he was circumcised on the eighth day, trained under this plague. I'm the who's who if, according to the law. And now he's become a convert and now he's preaching the gospel. The very thing he persecuted and he, he's accounted for the first murder. Now he's preaching. But now Paul pays a massive price for Jesus. And look what it says. The prisoner of Christ, Jesus for you Gentiles. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. He's speaking that he's Jewish. I always had in my mind, if it, why wouldn't you get a Jewish scholar who got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit to preach to Jews? And he did. But there were so many Jews outside. But he took the word to the Gentile world. God does it his way. My mind would have said, stay there, send Peter. But it was the opposite in God. Let's keep going. Now, he says there's a dispensation of grace. That means unmerited favor. It's for you Gentiles because you Gentiles to a Jew is a dog. You're outside the covenant. You have no blessings. You're, no, you're lower than a dog. Yet God bestows this blessing upon you. And how that we, by revelation, we, he made known to me the mysteries, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it, was, has it been, has now been revealed by the Spirit to those whose holy apostles and prophets. So what had happened was now, Paul was a, a Pharisee. He now has become, and I said this last week, he never walked around saying, I'm the apostle Paul. He says, I'm Paul, an apostle called by God. And he's now dealing with doctrine. He's dealing with he understood the Old Testament so much that he could sit with anyone and show them, we're not preaching heresy here. This Christ, the mystery about Christ. And he can pull out scriptures. That's why Paul in the New Testament shows you a lot of Old Testament scripture. We say we're not under law, we're under grace, but Paul can pull it out and show you them. Why? Because he was walking like Christ. He was operating through Christ. He was the spirit of Christ in him. He was walking, even the apostle Peter, who was called by God as a pillar of the church, he said, 
Some things Paul writes is very hard to understand. And yet he walked with Jesus, Paul didn't. And it's interesting that God establishes something. We call it the fivefold. Some people call it the apostolic church leadership of their day. There's so much fighting and debate over this. I'll tell you why. Because whenever we get involved in what God's doing, we destroy it. Just because I do something this way and it works, everyone has to do it that way. He goes, no, 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 no. God was rebuilding and establishing the church. The early church had its issues, did it not? We always say, you want to go back to the book of Acts. But the book of Acts, they got arrested and they got killed. They were under persecution and they had divisions among them. Let's see why. Ephesians 4.11. And I'll explain this. And he himself gave, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. Let me unpack that. Okay, keep going. Sorry, yep, keep going. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God sets up leaders in the church, first apostles. If you read it in Corinthians, it says first apostles, then prophets, then teachers, then workings of miracles and the gifts of healing. Here it talks about, can we go back one? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors and some teachers. I'm going to touch on this a little bit. Because God's establishing something very special in this place. And I pray that you pray to the Lord and see if you belong here. Because if you belong, there's work to be done. And the first place he starts is in our hearts. But look at this, apostles. Now we know that the 12 apostles were the 12 apostles. We know that Judas died and then Paul, they, they picked someone to take his place, but Paul was his replacement, let's be honest. So we've got the 12 major apostles. The 12 major apostles of that day, not only were they apostles, some prophets were prophets, some were evangelists, some were pastors. We know they had all the gifting. And they established the church. Have you got that first picture? This is a funny picture, yeah? They're all anorexic. They need to eat. But what did Paul say? Paul says, I lay a foundation which is Christ. Another scripture says that he is the cornerstone. Jesus has to be the cornerstone of everything you do. I was involved in the church. It was an awesome church. And God was moving in that church. I learned so much from that church. But slowly, surely, something started to sneak in. And counseling was a big thing. Inner healing was a big thing. And I believe in inner healing. But it got to the point where we were trying to inner heal everything. And what we did, we inner healed Jesus out of the picture. And it was all about what you did and what you didn't do. And what, what your parents did, what your parents didn't do. And I'm... Don't misunderstand me, but if Christ isn't the center, you've lost it. And they built ministries after ministries after ministries like that. And they forgot who was the cornerstone. It was about deliverance, about, do I have a curse? Take it to Jesus. No, no, take it to the counselor. There was a big movement in that. Casting out demons. It was like, I basically got told in my church that yeah, we love what you're doing, but that can't be the front door of your church. Okay, well, it'll be the back door, but I'm still going to cast them out. They thought that that can't be the image of the church because, you know, people won't come. And this is the stuff I learned. Like, lovely people, but they didn't understand what God was doing. See, the early church were called the people of the way. I, most of us are getting in the way. There are some Christians that are in the way. We're people of the way. No, I didn't ask to cast out devils. and I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I was making up scriptures sometimes and they were coming out. It was God's anointing. 
But I understood something that so many people are bound by evil spirits and they need to come out. Now, I learned a lot. I learned a lot the fact that you can cast out a devil, but if they don't sit under the teachings of the word and get discipled, guess what? You've done them injustice. They'll go back and be worse than what they ever were. That's why the body of Christ is to be safe to learn the word of God. You can have an encounter with God. They believe all these evangelistic meetings you have. And I love evangelism. We bring a guest speaker over. He's got an anointing on his life. People come. You can look at the Billy Graham Crusades, the Ronhard Bonke, the bloke that succeeded Ronhard Bonke. He's getting two million people to a crusade in Africa. But he knows that that crusade's great. If God moves, what do you do with the people after the crusade? In the Western world, every crusade, only 3% join the church. Not just join the church, that ain't sit under the discipleship of the leadership of the church. And the end is worse than the beginning. I'm sorry, I've seen it. Some days I'm reluctant. If the Holy Ghost doesn't move on me, the guy's got a demon. He's had it for 10 years. He can have it for another week. I'm not running. Unless they're willing to commit to the body. Not my body, but unless you commit to the body. I've seen it. I've seen people destroyed from it. So Jesus is the cornerstone. Let me see that scripture where it says in Ephesians. What's the other Ephesians I got there? Ephesians 4, 11. We'll go back to that picture. Paul speaking to the Ephesians church. Look what he says. And he gave to them some prophets, apostles, preachers, teachers, evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Can we go back to the other picture? The scripture of the Bible says that the foundations of the church were built on the apostle and the prophet. No one believes me? Or do you believe me? No one believes me and doesn't believe me. Do you believe? It's somewhere there. I've got it somewhere. The foundation of the church, Jesus is the cornerstone. Paul says, I lay a foundation that no one should lay. That's Christ, the cornerstone. The first rock to be laid is Jesus. Then the apostle and the prophet. The apostle and the prophet. It's a picture of the foundation of the church. The foundation of the church was laid by the apostles. The apostles' doctrine. They set up the foundations of the church. Are you with me? Are you with me? The next picture, please. The second one was the teacher. The teacher represents, if you're looking at a building, this building has foundations, the apostle. The, found, the bedrock of our foundation of revelation is Jesus Christ. Don't let, everyone, don't let anyone lie to you. If Christ is not being laid, you have no foundation. God builds on that by the apostle and the prophet. Now we've got a slab written down. Now we need walls. The teacher is the walls. He puts up the walls to strengthen you, to teach you line upon line and precept upon precept. Next one. But now we need a roof. The roof always represents the pastor. Now I can do this in a body and I can do this with my hand. The representation, but the pastor, the covering. He's the one that looks after the sheep, wants to cover the sheep, wants to minister the sheep, wants to be counseled by the sheep. He's the one that puts that covering over it. The next one is the evangelist or the preacher. You see him bringing people into the church. Another picture I was trying to find was the windows and the doors. A preacher preaches, people hear. The evangelist, the evangelist goes out and evangelizes and brings them in. Fivefold. Are you getting it? So now when you read that, you understand what he's trying to establish here. A lot of people believe the apostle and the prophets have been done away with. That doesn't, that died. A lot of people believe the gifts of the spirit are done away with. That's died when the apostles died. But Paul was writing this to the Corinthian church, to the Ephesian church. And, and you go further. We, we don't need, the Bible has been established. The word of God is canonized. It's been established. No one comes and changes it. But God has got apostles and prophets on this earth to keep bringing the word down because too many people are building on the wrong foundation. 
And the church has gone into a place now where very rarely you see apostles and prophets in the church. It's always run by the pastor. And he normally gets burnt out because he's doing everything. A lot of the problems you have is sometimes the prophet doesn't agree with the teacher. The pastor doesn't agree with the evangelist. And there's all this conflict. But the fivefold ministry in the church isn't five people. You can be a prophet. You can be an apostle. You can be a teacher. You can be an evangelist. Then it goes on and talks about healings and gifts of healings and working of miracles and helps and governments. And there's all these giftings in the body. Why? To establish the house of God for the purpose of God, to train people up, to equip them to do the work of the ministry. Now, what is the work of the ministry? Some people say to me, well, I'm not called to preach. I get you, but you're called to father. You're called to mother. You're called to walk alongside someone, aren't you? We have failed in the church when it comes to fathering. We have failed in the church. We've, let our, we've, we've fed our kids to the devil. There was a movement going around. and I, I, Again, I'm not bagging anyone, but there was a movement going around to seek a friendly church. Don't talk about sin. Don't talk about tribulation. Don't talk about fire and brimstone. Okay, well, I'm with that. I love the... But don't talk about it and make it so comfortable people come in the church and keep your sermons to 20 minutes because they get bored and make sure the music is good and make sure you've got lights and smoke machines and make sure that the kids club has got every state-of-the-art stuff and we seek a friend in the church and guess what? The devil came in, sat down and made his home in that church. The greatest guy that done that movement is a good guy and he loved God but he thought this idea, guess what? He's repented of that now. After what? Another movement, it was the love of God. We swung the pendulum. The old school preachers was always about fire and brimstone. Never told you how good you were, just or how bad you were. Okay. And it swung so far this way. Doesn't matter what you do, you're going to heaven because of the grace of God. And they went this way. There was a man, I'm not going to mention his name. He had the great revelation of the love of God. And he would do little film clips about the love of God. And it was really good. Until he started preaching that God's so good and so loving. There is no hell. You can't go to hell. And then you can marry who you want. And you can marry what type you want. And you can marry same genders and and I saw a video of him having a debate with someone about this. And I, you know what? I, I didn't bother listening to the debate. I saw his face and I see the guy is so demon possessed. It's not funny. But if you saw his face before, he glowed. He loved Jesus. Then he went to a place where God could never do that. And guess what? He got so deep. Mate, just the look on his face was enough for me. I turned it off because I broke my heart because my whole church was listening to all, all this stuff. Now, I'm not saying I knew this was going to happen to those two guys because they gave us the literature in my old church to learn. There was some good stuff there, but guess what? Something in my spirit was nudging. Not that I knew this was going to happen, but I knew that this just doesn't sit right. And we can talk about this to the cows come home about different things. But the establishment of the church is the apostle and the prophet. You won't be the apostle. You won't be the prophet. But thank God for the word of God. I got saved. They were groom me up to be a pastor. I would sit there like you. And I listened to these guys preach. And the guy would get up and preach. He was awesome. And then he get up, someone to do something. And they worship. And then they do communion. And I'm sitting there going, man, they've got no idea what they're talking about. But I love them. Well, next week, I should be up there. I'm a better preacher than him. Then the pastor went away. I thought, oh, it's my chance to preach. And they picked someone else. I go, boring. Then they gave me a glimpse to do the offering message. They used to do offering messages. And I came up there and I was never asked to do the offering message ever again. <laughs> and I said, you're $2.50 in the bucket, won't please God. If you're not already blessed, don't give. I don't give to get blessed, I'm already blessed. And they had a scripture where they used to love sharing about Malachi. And I'm not going to get into the debate, please. You know, if you don't, you know, you're robbing God. And if you don't put the money in the bucket, basically you're, God, you're robbing God and you're under a curse and he can't rebuke the devourer. 
And I got up there, and I wasn't trying to upset anyone. It was just it's more revelation. And I'm walking around, first time ever, and they're excited. And then you can see the pastor's faces go. And I said, if Jesus on the cross hasn't rebuked the devourer, my $2.50 in the bucket's not going to do it. So I give out of the notion that I'm blessed already. You know, you know, the windows of heaven already open, all that. No one ever said nothing, but I was never asked to do the offering message ever again. But then I started doing communion messages. And that was awesome. And I started getting a big head because I knew more than them. And I knew the blood. And old people come and pat me on the back and say, man, that revelation again. I said, Lord, one day, it's time for me to leave this church. He goes, if you move, I won't bless you. But Lord, but I know more than them. Lord, but there's no move of the spirit. They, they want me to stop casting out devils. and Not exactly like that. They weren't that bad. But, but in my mind, they were bad. And the Lord says, but are you willing to pay the price they're paying? Because you don't know what they've paid to get you here. You don't know what they've been through to have you sitting in that seat. You know how many people, and the Lord showed me, you know how people have sold their houses to pay for the building so you can sit on that seat and judge them. Bro, I've got the biggest rebuke of my life. Yeah, I might have known more in Revelation, but didn't give me the character to do this. They paid a price. I didn't. So are you, until you're willing to pay the price, then I'll use you. But until then, you're just a, a flyby. I sat in the church for another two years. And the Lord said to me, ask him what you can do for them. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, yeah, would you mind picking up a guest speaker? They had a youth group. They had a big youth thing and from, the, from the airport. Yeah, no worries. I went and picked him up and spoke to him on the way. Wow, this guy's unique. He's from Queensland. I drove him back. Another day, could you pick up this other guy from one church to another church? They had multiple services. I picked him up. I spoke to him. Wow, man, this guy's been to Africa. This guy, I didn't think his message was that good. He's been to Africa. And he's been to here. And he's been to there. And he's seen God move. They even got kidnapped once and they prayed to get out. And I'm thinking, what? And then one day, I'm thinking, oh, I loved it. I'll be at work. I go, look, can you pick up something? Yeah, no worries. We're having a meeting. And I just wanted to serve. Wherever they wanted me, I wanted to serve. Until one day they said to me, do you want to host David Hogan? You ever heard about David Hogan? Hogan, Hogan raised the dead. At that time, his ministry raised 420 people from the dead in, in Mexico. And we saw the videos in Mexico. Man, I would not go there if you paid me. I'd rather go to Burke with rabs and sit and dirty and shoot pigs. But I'm not going there. <laughs> and that's bad enough. And this guy sat in my home. This guy shared some, he was deep. And I thought, you know what? Just because I wanted to serve, I had a man of God who's changing the whole Mexican country in the mountains. And he says, and I won't even reach even a quarter of that mountain in my lifetime. And he told me the stories that we wanted to hear the dead raised, that we wanted to hear the leprosy healed. We wanted all that. And then he told me how many times he was left for dead in a ditch, nearly died. How many times the devil would come because there were a lot of witch doctors there. And for one week, his son was sitting there and he'd see a scratch mark on his face and he'd see boils bob out. This is demonic attack at its highest. And all he could do was shut the door and fast and pray till God delivered him. I heard those stories. He says, he sit there, he's a big man. He goes, uh, you're impressed, eh? That's how you talk. The, the funniest thing, guys, I was going to share this. He, he had a, he had, the first thing he said, you know how we say, Thank you for coming. I appreciate you coming. Thank you for the hospitality. He come out and goes, first thing he said, who's raising your kids, MTV or you? First thing he said, because I don't know about you, but I want the Holy Ghost. And that's how he spoke. And he had everyone's attention. And one of the nights he was speaking, the state of Roger was on. And no one was game to turn it on. Because we had a big event. We're going to put the state of Roger on after night and watch Jared run out and cost us the game. 
And, and he sat there and he goes, I don't know what game you want to play, but I want to see the Holy Ghost raise the dead. And I go, okay, don't worry about Jared now. <laughs> but this is the type of guy he was sold out. He didn't have to adjust to us because he's thinking, I'm in the jungle and you got to crying over a toenail. Go heal that toenail and go back to work. But when he came back the second time, I had the honor to host him again. He was a little bit different because he got used to us. <laughs> but I just wanted to serve. We talk about Stephen in the church. And if you read it, you think you get a bit arrogant. You say, we can't wait on tables and look after widows. Pick, you know, seven men full of the Holy Spirit to do that. And we think, okay, what are they doing? Serving tables. He died and we're still talking about him today. Change the church. So the church is not about tick the box and what I can get. What can you give to the body of Christ? What can you deliver to the body of Christ? What is it that you contribute to the body of Christ? We saw all those pictures. Everyone has a part to play. I could go a bit deeper and say someone has to design the, the bedrooms and the lounge room, the laundry, and, the, and then the helps and the poor and the sick and the homeless. This is the body of Christ on this earth. But the body of Christ, there's two things I need to share with you. Go to verse 12 of Ephesians 4.11. Now, the fivefold ministry, the big evangelists, and all these guys that God's anointed, for lack of a better word, is to edify you. Our job, me and Rab's job as your local pastors, we have a calling on our life. I have a pastor's heart with an evangelistic, my bones are evangelism. But God's training me, and it's always been in my heart. Rab's walks in the prophetic as a prophet. We're not, we're not the evangelists, we're not the pastors, but we're yours if you call this home. And we have a responsibility to the, the Spirit of God and He flows through us to put a foundation to carry you through to the last days. Who believes that Jesus is coming back? Oh, he's been saying that for 2,000 years. Yeah, that's what they said about when, when He showed up, they missed it. Listen, guys, He's coming back. Hello, He's coming back. But the Holy Spirit's already here. So when He sees the Holy Spirit came back at Pentecost and the Christ that lives in us, He's wanting to change families. See, it's our job. Stop blaming the government and stop blaming the schools. They don't do this, the government do that. We are the church. You start letting fires in people's homes and the drug addict will stop taking drugs and the, and the guy that's ripping you off will stop ripping you off. Why? Because he had an encounter. If Paul can be touched, who's killing Christians, get touched and give his life to the very thing he was persecuting, what's stopping us changing this city? People are called of the way. We're, and when I first got saved, the Lord's by tongues and interpretation of tongues. If you don't believe that exists, hey, that's your problem. But I do because 12, 19 years ago in a prayer meeting, God broke out in tongues. I was speaking a language I did not know. And the word came out, Parramatta, Parramatta, Parramatta. This is your city. You win it. So I went around going, right, the Lord showed me a word. I, I ran it by an elder because I was young in the Lord. I could interpret anything I want. I thought Paramount was going to win a comp. That didn't happen, so it wasn't that. It was Paramount. So I go up to this elder of mine and I said, this is what the Lord said to me. Let's pray on that. I believe that God's, God's called you. And then someone else, I ran about two, three people. Why? Because the gift of prophecy is subject to the prophets. You, you don't get a word and run with it. You bring it to your elders and pray on it to make sure you don't get deceived because not every voice is of God. I'll share something about it. I want to wrap here. I want to share this a bit later. Then I get a word, Parramatta. So I go and I meet people and I was excited in the Lord and I tell people about Parramatta and they go, oh, don't do that. Why not? 
You know the spirit realm of Parramatta? No church works in Parramatta. And they gave me all the history about Parramatta, about Freemasonry and about this and about the Aboriginal spirit and then indigenous and the witchcraft. And, and then I went and saw the sites. There's eight different sites with altars, witchcraft altars in Parramatta. I can take you there. And the history about Parramatta. I can tell you about all about it. And they said, but you don't go there, man, because they'll kill you. Thank God I was dumb like a sheep and I didn't listen. And I went to the next guy and he was in another church. He was, he was part of Doreen's church. You might remember him a long time ago. Oh, don't go to Parramatta. And he told me the same story. And the next three or four people I bumped into, don't go to Parramatta. The spirit realm, nothing works. And they told me every disaster about a church starting in Parramatta. And the more they said it, something rose inside me. He said, the more I wanted to do it. And one day I said, you know what? I've had enough of these people. God's called me. A few years later, I'm about to prayer walk Parramatta and bring down principalities and powers and rulers of darkness because I've got the authority. And that day, the Lord said, watch this man. There's a man named... Um, What's his name? The Kenny Rogers look like. John Paul Jackson. If I didn't meet that man and listen to his stuff for six months, I would have thought this guy was a weirdo. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. And this guy was visions and dreams every day, three times a day. Come on, man, you must be eating too much pizza. But he talked about principalities and power. And I'm ready to do this prayer walk on my own. And the Lord showed me there's a domain you don't touch. There's a domain you have no authority in. But I've called you to stay in your lane. Paul says, I don't preach in another man or I don't harvest in another man's field. You need to know where you belong. Some church might be doing this and some church might be doing that. That's great. But it's not what we were called to do. And he saved me from disaster, guys. I'm telling you. And then... He was the man of visions and dreams and what have you. And then it was a few years later that I met Rabs and I thought, God prepared me because I came out of a very, let's just keep it nice, church. They wanted the move of the Spirit. They did have the move of the Spirit. But sometimes we get a move of the Spirit and we stop there. Well, I'm happy now. I've casted three demos out and three people got saved. And we've got a whole city to win. And I ran, asked my wife, I ran from my people. I don't want to preach to my people. When I saw them, I would preach to them. But God called me. I said, no, no, no. I'll go around. It's easy to preach to other people. And a prophet came from New Zealand. He doesn't know what a Lebo looks like. Came from the, from the Gisborne on the outskirts of the coastal land of New Zealand. A Maori man came and he was preaching at Pastor Gus's church. I met him there. And he prophesied, you're going back to your people and you're going to start a revival of your people. And don't worry, God will send you people to walk alongside. And two years later, I met this man. And the greatest revival I've seen in my time where I preached was at his house. And they're all my people. And God moved in the mighty way. And we're here today doing this today. Because we need the prophet. We need the apostle in the church. I think I know it all, but I don't. And there will always be conflict because someone goes, go get them. I guess I'll take it easy, you know. Pastor's heart, you might work in a mercy gift. You see the best in everyone. Come and cry on my shoulder for a bit. But when I don't want to talk to them, they talk to the rabbit, rabbit, get up, pray, fast. Sometimes I just want to say, come on, let's have a coffee. We're all wired up different. That's what the body of Christ works together. Paul says here, I'm not even going to go there because I'm speaking too much. He says, an ear can't tell the hand, you're no good. The nose can't tell the knee, you're not. Everyone has a place apart. But sometimes it's the least of the least, listen to me, it's the least of the body that God exalts the highest. You might think you're a nobody and oh, I don't have a voice. And I, listen, God's going to use you mightily. And it's our job to edify you. I remember one of my footy games once, I'd done my toe, my little toe. I didn't do nothing, think much about it. Someone stepped on my toe, man. 
Anyway, I didn't train all week. And then I came to play. I was in the warm-up. I could not run. But everything was all right. I was all right. My mind was okay. My body was okay. My knees were okay. My leg. It's one little toe. That dead piece of meat on the end of your foot. Some people put nail polish on it. Don't know why. I don't know why. You can't see it. Don't paint it. It's dead. What's my head in? I think I've got a phobia. But that little toe of mine, this little, no, this little toe, this little toe, and I could not run. I couldn't run. I couldn't step. I was, this is crazy. So they're putting um, painkillers, injections in my toe so I can just play. I didn't realize that one little toe that's bruised stopped my whole body from functioning. You might be a little toe in this body, but you're preventing the church from growing. Isn't it interesting that Jesus went and left the 99 to get the one sheep? I think to myself, it's not very smart, Lord, because you go get the one and the 99 get devoured. I said, Lord, this is a speed income question I asked the Lord one day. And when I was, sharing, when I was um, doing the sheep pen, how they come through the gate and that, the Lord showed me the other day. I, wasn't even, I asked that question many years ago. I said, why would you go and leave 99? To me, that's dumb because let it go. Because you're going to sacrifice 99 to get the one. And the Lord says, but while they're in my church, in the sheep pen, they're looking after each other. I can go out and get the one because you look after each other. Um, uh, listen to me. That's why Paul was so hard on the church. He says, you've got divisions among you. You're gossipers and backbitings. And yet I can't even go five minutes and get you guys to work together because you want to kill each other. And God's saying, hey, oh, because there's the one out there. Because you know 99 speaks of non-completion. In the Jewish mindset, 100 is completion. 99 is something wrong because the body will not be complete until we get our brother or sister out there that's lost. Don't think you've done anything for the Lord unless your brother, if your brother or sister's lost. But while he can come into the sheep pen and they can come under the under-shepherds, that's another thing, the pastor, the teacher, the, the elders of the church. Why? So he can go out and get the one. Because we might be happy here that God's touched us and church is for us. But my mate who's going to hell, I never show him the love of God. I don't have to preach to him theology. Do you love him? We have a brother that's hurt his knee. I said, go and give him some money. I don't think he needs the money. It's not the point. The point is go and show him the love of God so he can glorify your father in heaven. Money exposes everything. Even if you want it or don't want it, it always exposes. Alabaster box, a year's wage, broken. I put on the feet of Jesus and Judah says, that's a year's wage. We could have given it to the poor. Exposed his heart, a year's wage, because he was taxing it, stealing it. Imagine stealing from Jesus and think he doesn't know. <laughs> I won't say, I promise. My wife hates me saying that he's so dumb he can't breathe. You're stealing from Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 27. I'm going to close. We've read Ephesians and it says, now you are the body of Christ. Everyone say body of Christ. And members individually. Everyone here is a separate member with a separate gifting. But we all come together to build the body. Amen? Not an organization. Not an institution. A body. So what happens with the body? It has to be outworked. We have to do the body. You don't, we walk, we talk, we run, we speak, we learn. Look what he says. Keep going. And God has appointed in these churches first apostle, second prophets, third teachers. Here people blow up about this, but after that, it's miracles, then gifts of healing, helps and administrations, varieties of tongues. And but are all apostles? 
No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Keep going. Do all have the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. This is talking about different types of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and we can deal with that later. Do all interpret? No. Next verse. But earnestly desire the best gift, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Keep going. Is that where I stopped? So here, we've got the fivefold ministry. The apostle builds the church, the fabric, the structure of the church. The apostle, the prophet, bring doctrine. The, the apostle's job is to be a pioneer, to, 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 to grab a hold of doctrine and make sure there's no false doctrine. If it wasn't for the apostle Paul and the apostle John, the church would have fallen back under the law. Because Peter, Paul called him a hypocrite. Remember that story in Galatians? Remember when Paul's preaching and he, now Paul was a man born out of Jews' season. Was not Paul the full of revelation? Was he not? We preach this stuff every day. How many books did Peter write? Two. One Peter, two Peter. How many books did Paul write? How many? I think it was 12, 13, you know, 11. We don't like to deal with numbers. I think it was 11. I think one of them wasn't written by, but either way. The most of the New Testament was written by Paul. And yet Paul came and gave an answer to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. Paul knew more than them. Paul got revelation. He says, I never was taught by man. I was taught by Jesus himself. And he comes along and sits with Peter, James and John. Why did he sit with them? Because they said, hang on. Are you preaching something wrong? He goes, what am I preaching wrong? He goes, you're telling people not to be circumcised. You're not telling them to keep the law of Moses. He goes, well, you want to do that, do that. But I'm telling you, they're receiving the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues and miracles without being circumcised. Without. And they said, you know what? They sat down and they worked that out. They said, you know, he's right. He's just look after the orphan and the widow. He goes, I always do that. Even though he, was, he had more authority in the spirit than them, he still didn't come against authority that God had ordained. That's why God could use him. Don't come against authority. If it's not your home, go. But if you think it is, trust that God's doing a work in you. All these gifts are the outworking. The church has a structure and it has to be covered because the enemy comes sits in. And I want to close on this. Who remembers the story? Did, I, did you get my last scripture? I think? Can you put it up? I want you to hear me. Hear me by your spirit now. Get out. Get, get rid of religious thinking for a second. Everything in the Bible is spiritual. Yes, there's a sheep. Yes, there's a vine. Yes, there's a... But it talks about the spirit. Look at this. We share this. Now it happened as we went to pray. What was he doing? This Paul speaking, him and Silas. They went to, what have we learned about prayer lately? When they went to war with the shield, they would kneel because you could see the enemy and it was a type of shadow of praying with the shield of faith. True? Prayer exposes the devil. If you're not praying for your family, do not blame God the devil sitting in your lounge room. People want to bring down principalities and powers. People want to say, I want spiritual war. You know how you get real spiritual war? Resist the devil, he will flee. Some people are feeding. It's like alley cats in their laneway. You keep feeding them and go, it's too many cats. Whoever, who's ever fed pigeons? You feed one and they bring all their mates. And get rid of them if you can. And then you start cursing the council because no one's getting rid of them. Listen, stop feeding the devil and he will flee. Some people have invited the devil in their home and they're blaming the world. They're blaming social media. They're bl Listen to me. If you're not praying... You're already at a disadvantage. Here he says that we're praying. Now look what happens. Then a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us. 
who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. And we know what happened next. What happened next? Sorry, did I not give you the next verse? Sorry. This came to me in the in the in the word. Verse 17. The girl followed Paul and asked and cried out, saying, These are the men, are servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Was she lying? Was she lying? It's good promotion. Good promotion for Paul and Silas. She went behind him several days. If you're not in the spirit, you say, wow, this girl must have read about us. Can you hear me? You must have read about us. Next verse. And this she did for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to, the, to that spirit, command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her and come out that very hour. There was a spirit that understood God understood they were the servants of God, and yet it wasn't of God. You know, when you're praying, you expose the devil in your life. You expose spirits that have come into your world. Why? Because you're in a state. He was praying. This is the Bible. He was praying. And then, then he said, maybe at first he thought, maybe she heard about us. But when he prayed, the Holy Ghost said, get, get it out. Expose it. You know that you can have a structure. You know, you know let me go back. Can we go back to the, the divination? I want to share this with you. With the spirit of divination, you can call it witchcraft, you can call it sorcery. You know what the Bible calls it in Greek? Python spirit. It's the spirit of a python, a snake, a python. But do you know how a python kills? There's no secret they call it the python spirit. I saw a video years ago about this. How does a python kill? He wraps around you. And then he waits for you to exhale. And then he squeezes a little bit more. He doesn't care if it takes a week, a month, or a year to kill you. But he just waits. And every time you exhale, he squeezes a little bit more. Do you know that he keeps squeezing until you suffocate you and then you die? But it does not break one bone in your body. You know that? And the devil, the python spirit is a picture of the serpent. He'll come into your church. He'll come into your house. And he won't break nothing. He'll still operate. He'll still think they're good. He comes into churches. They still operate. They love God. They mention Jesus. And guess what? He's sucking the life out of there. And there's no spirit in there. He won't destroy the structure. We need structure. But we'll never structure the Holy Spirit out of the church. The structure is just to withhold what God's doing. It's not the be all and end all. Are you listening with me? This. Two accounts in the Bible, if you look at it, that apostle, prophet, preacher, teacher, and evangelist is called the fivefold. It's like a hand. Apostle, prophet, preacher, teacher, and evangelist. There's a man in the temple, and he had a withered hand. Can you hear where I'm going with this? He had a withered hand. It's a picture of he was in the temple, serving God in the temple. The structure was there. They were doing what they were meant to do according to the law, but he was never getting healed. And Jesus said, I'm going to heal this man. And he, that instant, the hand came out. Stretched out. It's a picture, a type of a shadow of the apostle, the prophet, the preacher, the teacher. The He's coming to get the devil out of the temple. Coming the devil out of your house. Coming the devil out of your church. So you can be healed because the spirit of God was quenched. And they got upset. You know why they got upset? Because it was the Sabbath. A man's hand was withered. It wasn't withered. And it grew. What about the woman with the hunched over, 18 years hunched over? Remember that story? Jesus saw an old lady hunched over. The Bible says 18 years. 
And on the Sabbath, they're watching him. He says, hey, isn't she a daughter of Abraham? Read between the lines. She shouldn't be hunched over sick like that. She's a daughter of the promise. Abraham, father Abraham. She has an inheritance of healing. The spirit, get out of her. And she straightened up that 18 years hunched over. She was in the temple, serving in the temple. And no one bothered to pray for her. No one bothered to tell her that her rights are, you don't have to be hunched. Or did they tell her, an antichrist spirit tell her that you must have done something wrong or you must have not been doing things right. Or maybe that's just your cross you have to bear. And Jesus says, she's a daughter of Abraham. And bang, she come out. We get robbed by, we want to know who the Antichrist is. Cuz, here, here. <laughs> Antichrist means anti the anointed one. Not anti Jesus. In the last days, many people will have Jesus on their church, Jesus in their homes, Jesus on their bumper sticker, Jesus everywhere. Guess what? They'll be deceived because the devil is not coming to be an anti-Jesus. He's coming to be the anti-Christ, which means the anti of the anointing. You come against healing. You come against the prophetic word. You're coming against God's anointing. You know that woman hunched over for 18 years? Look at this prophetic picture. Can we stand? Stand and we'll finish off this. Leave the lights on. This is the prophetic picture of a woman hunched over for 18 years in the kingdom. A daughter of Abraham. A lady that came into the temple. She wasn't outside it. She was in the temple. She was in the covenant of Abraham. She was hunched over for 18 years. You, what, what's the number of the devil, people? Six, six, six. Six plus six is? Plus six? The antichrist spirit that she learned in the temple had her hunched over for 18 years. And Jesus, who's number one, his number is seven. Perfection, he goes, bang, come out. Jesus is number seven. On the seventh day, on the Sabbath, he came and healed her. Healing's yours. Deliverance is yours. But get him out of your house. Because the church is meant to grow in wisdom and stature before man and God. Because that's what Jesus is. Don't complain to God that things aren't happening your way. Because what are you doing? If he gives us delegated authority, fathers, mothers, listen to me. Do you pray? Are you seeking the heart of God? I challenge everyone here today, go and check what I've just said. I, I don't know it all. And I make mistakes, but I guarantee you, I've seen the devil in people's homes. And they, I'm thinking to myself, man, one day the Lord said to me, I walked into a house and I could see this guy. Man, and he knew it all. He knew the scripture back to front, inside out. He knew everything about it. He knew, and if he said something, yeah, he agreed with you. And he was full of demons. And the Lord says, don't pray for him. I never understood that. Don't pray for him. He didn't tell me why. He said, just don't pray for him. The man is destroyed now. Destroyed his family, everything. Because he was not willing to receive what I was about to give him. See, some of us have believed the lie. We've been offended with the church. I'm not saying they haven't done something wrong. You might have been offended with someone in authority in the church. Or maybe they've asked too much of you in the church. Or maybe that you think that, well, it's me and Jesus and that's enough. It is for your salvation, but it's not for your walk. I've been there, man. When I used to hear structure, I used to run because I'm the most unstructured human being in your life. But I knew enough to know that if my foundation, hey, if the Holy Ghost wants to come in here now and turn us upside down, let him do it. It's not order as in prim and proper order, but it's allowing his presence and let him be the cornerstone of our life. Not about certain doctrines. You know, I, I, I talk to people a lot and they, they got the same question they asked me 10 years ago. I think you haven't moved on from that question. 
Oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I don't care. You're still in the same spot. And Jesus is saying to us, why do you persecute me? But Lord, because he said, why don't you feed me? Why don't you clothe me? When I was thirsty, you didn't give me water. When did we ever see you thirsty, Lord? But anything you do for this little one, you do it unto me. This is his church. This is what God's doing. I believe, and I'm prophesying this, if you stick, you ask God, this room is not big enough to contain what God's about to do. The Bible says they broke bread daily. They had preached the apostles' doctrine, broke bread daily, and guess what? He added to the church daily. That's where God wants to take this church. But he starts with us. And if you can't get over the elementary things, I often say this to people, if I who love you can offend you and upset you, what's the devil going to do to you? If you can't let go of an offense, you don't, what's the devil going to do to you? What's he going to do to you? Because the Bible says this, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. Why? 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 I knew enough to know in my early days, yeah, I didn't like this, I didn't like this structure, I didn't like that, and I don't know what they're talking about. It's a bit boring. But I knew enough to stay in fellowship. I stayed in fellowship when I had and when I didn't have. When I was busted or when I was happy. When I was down or when I was up. I knew to stay in fellowship and keep the Holy Ghost and the fellowship with one another and stay in the presence of God. I knew enough to know that. But stop treating God like a genie in a bottle. But when we understand that we go from sheep to, to the bride who has intimacy to birth something else so we can have sons. Antichrist, don't worry about the Antichrist. Don't worry about the mark of the beast. Don't worry about any of that. We want to we find out who the Antichrist is and he's got all his mates sitting in your lounge room. Challenge, 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 challenge. The next time you feel down, next time you feel you don't know what to do, Open up your Bible. I dare you open up your Bible. Or get on your knees and pray. Do something and allow God's presence to invade you. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. Some things you'll get you didn't even pray for. But do you want to live in a hit-miss life? Do you want a Christianity that goes, I've prayed sometimes is good. I feel bad sometimes. I feel good. Listen to me. Look, at, look yourself in the mirror. You must see Jesus. If you don't see Jesus and you see your issues, your worries, or what you think you want in life, ask him what he wants from you because he loves you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. That's the promise of the Father. I don't speak from theology. I don't speak from, I speak from experience. I've been there when I could not afford to buy nappies for my son. I've been there when I had no petrol money. I've been there and I still went out and preached the gospel. I still sat in fellowship. My, I thought I was a hypocrite telling people Jesus loves you and I thought he didn't love me. But I knew enough to know because deep, deep down inside of you, you know it's true. God has placed something on the inside of you. And even when you don't want to, Mary didn't ask to fall pregnant with Jesus. God took her by force and she, she's carrying something bigger than herself. She didn't sow for it. She didn't believe for it. She said, I'll need you and I'm going to get you. You know what? You're not here by mistake because Jesus needs you on this earth. You might not understand it now, but he needs you. Because you can be the answer to someone. Oh, no, that's Jesus' job. Yeah? Now, why did Ananias have to go and pray for Paul? If Jesus wanted to be healed, he set him blind. Because now Ananias prayed for him. Why, man? He's killing us. He goes, I need you to, and he's going to know how much he's going to suffer for my name. God delegates authority to his church, his people. And you know what? If we miss it, 
We're going to give an account for it. But God loves you so much. He's not here to hurt you. Listen, don't think this is another thing I have to do. You know what it is? The first thing you need to do is bow your knee to him. Say, Lord, teach me. Or you're walking around with withered hands and hunched back. God's just preparing his bride, us, the church. So, Father, we love you. The Bible says that Jesus, Jesus went about doing good and healing those oppressed of the devil. The first mistake you make is you don't think there's one, a devil. And the second thing is you don't think God loves you. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God gave us his best. The son of God, my favorite saying, the son of God became the son of man. So the sons of men can be children of God. I couldn't get to him, but he came to me so I can get to him. Every other religion wants to try and get to God, wants to try and please God. If it's about holiness and not doing this and not doing that, Jews are better. They keep the law better than us. Muslims can keep the law better than us. But Christians, it's not about what I don't do. It's about who I am in him. It's not about I don't do this and I don't do that. But when I know him, I don't want to do that anymore because I know him. He made me like him. He is my father. He is, the son is my brother. The Holy Spirit lives in me. It's not about what I don't do. You live your life going, I don't do this. Who cares? It's about what God's done in you because we conform to his image. Because if you're not with the son, listen, if you deny the son, you deny the father, and you are an antichrist, the Bible says. You're an anti his anointing. You're spitting on what he did at the cross. So I'm going to challenge you tonight. I've only touched the surface on this because it gets better. Hallelujah. It gets better. You are the apple of his eye. When Jesus looks up from heaven down to earth, he sees you. <laughs> Don't think he, he doesn't see you. So, Father, I don't know much more to say, Lord. Lord, if you have something, please tell me. There's something that's in my spirit I can't get out. We thank you. We thank you. Let your, let your love flow in this room. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, amen. Amen. I love you. Search out the heart of God for your life. Ask Him. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. We forsake Him. And He denies our denial. <laughs> That's how much of a good God He is. Hope you have a blessed week. We're on on Wednesday again. See you next Sunday and we'll learn a little bit more about the intimacy with God. Let's go. Amen.